This morning, we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Nehemiah. So much has changed about our time on Sundays, but so much stays the same. We're going to gather together, we're going to sit before the Word of God, and we're going to allow the Word of God to work in us. And because we trust that can happen anywhere, we're going to gather in Nehemiah chapter 8 once again this morning. There's so much good stuff in this chapter. I hope you've seen over the last couple of weeks, and we are not finished mining it yet. There's even more truth to be had from this incredible chapter. In our time of Nehemiah 8, we have seen the importance of gathering with God's people. We've seen the importance of gathering as one man and the the way God uses that gathering to accomplish his redemptive purposes. We've seen a picture of the gospel and the work and words of Nehemiah uh, last week in verses 9 to 12 as he directs the people's response to joy because of the redemptive work of God. And there's one more element of this passage that I'd like for us to consider before we move beyond it as a people. And that is the way this chapter presents the ministry of the word among the people of God. The ministry of the word among the people of God. Now, that may be a new term for some of you listening today. What is the ministry of the word? Well, the ministry of the word is just a general term that we use to describe the the number of ways the word of God and specifically the written word of God, is used to build up the people of God. See, we have a a central conviction as a church, as a people, that it is God who accomplishes his purpose in us and through us for his glory. He does the work. We simply respond to the work that he does within us. And this work that he does in us to work through us. He primarily does through the word of God. The people of God are formed by the word of God. The people of God are shaped by the word of God, and the people of God are sustained by the word of God. Think about it. We're we're formed by the word of God. He has called us to himself. His, His word called us out of our darkness, out of our lostness, out of our death, and and brought us into life. His word and and uniting us with him also united us with a people. We were separated, we were isolated, and yet through the word of God we have been awakened. And united to a people charged with glorious purpose to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're shaped by the word of God. In this incredibly inspired gift, God reveals himself to us. He reveals who he is and then consequently who we are to be as his people who are striving to be like him. And the most clear example of this is in the person and work of Jesus Christ, the incarnate word who uniquely reveals God and who uniquely reveals the response of man to God. And as we see more of Christ, we see more of who we are. We're shaped as individuals, as as a people into the image of Jesus himself. The people of God are sustained by the word of God. This word is our spiritual food We see throughout the scripture. It's our spiritual sustenance. Through the word we find living water. Through the word we find the bread of life. 
Because through this word, we have access to God who can satisfy our every need. And that's why at First Baptist Church of Irving, we make a big deal about the Bible. It's God's word written, a witness to the redemptive work that he has been doing throughout eternity to reconcile all things to himself in Christ. Friends, this is no normal book. It's a divine meeting place through which we encounter God and are shaped into the image of Jesus. And that's why we make the word of God central to all of our gatherings. God has established this work to be done in his people through the word as the Holy Spirit brings it to bear upon our lives. And every time we gather, we want people to know where we believe the source of our power, the source of our strength comes from. It does not come from us. It does not come from the words of man. It does not come from the philosophies of this world. No, it comes from God himself. Only he can do what needs to be done in and through us. We are dependent people. And so we listen to his word. And I take great comfort in knowing that in Nehemiah 8, under the direction of God himself, God's people then felt the same way that we do now. Their gathering was completely centered on the word of God. They read the law. They focused on the law because they believed that God had a unique blessing for them in hearing the word of God read over them. What I want to do this morning is to once again consider the example of the people of God in Nehemiah chapter 8. And what God wants us to learn as his people today from their example. I want us to, to look and to see their commitment to the word of God. And then I want us to evaluate our own practice here at First Baptist Church of Irving and, and consider whether our our commitment to the word of God is truly fleshed out in every area of ministry that we have embraced as a people. It's an opportunity for us as the church to consider what we are giving ourselves to and ask if we are truly relying upon the Lord and his word to accomplish his divine purposes in us and through us. Let me ask it in the form of a question. Our key question for this morning as we walk through this text. Does our ministry practice reveal our commitment to the word of God? As a church, everything we do, does it reveal a singular commitment to the word of God? Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 8 this morning and read it together. Here's what the word of God says. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book, the book of the law of Moses, that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they had heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand 
And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for this purpose. And beside him stood all of these people who I'm not going to try to pronounce on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then also, verse 7, notice the Levites, all of them listed here. They helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Nehemiah was the governor. Ezra the priest and scribe and Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law, that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. And they should proclaim it and, and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people did that. They went out, brought them, made booths for themselves, each on his own roof. And their, their courts and their courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square at the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in booths. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. I think as we read this passage, it becomes abundantly clear that the most important element of their gathering was the Word of God. That the teaching and the understanding of the Word of God. They wanted a true ministry of the Word, built upon the Word of God, because they believed there was something unique for them in the Word of God. Now, how do we see in Nehemiah 8 this, this gathering and, and the, the overall ministry practice of the people of Israel at this time? How do we see it defined by the Word? What practices do they engage in to make sure that the people are engaged with God's Word such that He can do His redemptive work among them? Let's look at their ministry of the word as it's outlined here in Nehemiah 8. All the ways the word of God is utilized among the people to form them, to shape them, and to sustain them. Four practices I want us to look at from Nehemiah 8 that define the ministry of the word for God's people here. Practice one, 
The word of God was declared over the gathered people of God. The word of God was declared over the gathered people of God. What we see happening in Ezra 8 is that Ezra, or Nehemiah 8, is that Ezra preaches to the people. He preaches to them. And what an incredible scene, right? He, he climbs up on this wooden platform that, that places him above the people. And then he simply begins to read God's word given to God's people over them. He's acting now as an intermediary, speaking on behalf of God to the people of God, a representative of God to man. And listen to how verse 8 describes the, the intent of his preaching ministry in lockstep with the Levites who are around him. He reads the words of God clearly. He gives the sense of them, verse 8 says, such that people can understand them. And friends, that's what preaching God's word is all about. We want you to hear the word of God and know the word of God so you can be shaped by the word of God. Listen, Ezra knows what is expected of him here. As God outlined in Deuteronomy 31, 9 to 13, a passage that we looked at last week, Ezra was not called to stand up and opine about the state of the Israelite people. He was not called to stand up and offer words that he thought up himself. Ezra knew that he had nothing to offer the people of God in his own strength. Rather, he was called to read the words of God. He wasn't giving his words. He was giving the word of God. The very word given to Moses, recorded under the direction of the Holy Spirit for the good of the people. Because God's words are special. God's words are spiritual. God's words speak life. And that is what he's going to give his people. And even the methodology here, the way he preaches is meant to reflect his dependence upon God. He's standing over the people declaring the word of God, but he's also standing under God himself, a representative reminding the people who gave the word and that every single person listening to the word is under that authority. And what's also interesting about this preaching moment is that the people of God are ready for it. They're craving it because of the preaching ministry of Ezra. You see, Ezra's been faithfully teaching the law of God for 13 years. And, and what we get to see here in Nehemiah 8 is the fruit of 13 years of a faithful preaching ministry. The people demand more of God's word. They were ignorant of God's word before, but now they are demanding it and they are attentive. Even age-appropriate children, men, women, all who could understand verse 3. So we see very clearly here in Nehemiah 8, the preaching ministry, the practice of a representative declaring the word of God over the gathered people of God plays a central role in the work that God desires to do among his people. We are reminded in this moment that God has spoken over us, that God is forming us, God is shaping us, and that he's using an intermediary to do that work in and through us as his people. See, Ezra commits himself 
to study the word of God, to do it and to teach it, according to Ezra 7:10. And the result of that commitment among the people of God is that they are formed, shaped, and sustained for the purposes of God. It's very clear that the preaching of God's word as a part of the ministry of the word matters. It's the first thing that we see here in this text about how the ministry of the word should be practiced among the people of God. But there's a second element to this practice among the people of God, this, this ministry of the word among the people of God. The preaching ministry is not the only thing that they do with the word. The second thing that we see, the second practice, is the word of God is then diligently taught in smaller settings. Isn't that interesting? Ezra's work in preaching is supported and strengthened by the, the work of the Levites, according to verse 7. The Bible says that these men, these Levites, went out among the people to be sure that what Ezra was teaching, what Ezra was reading and giving the, the sense of, was clearly understood by the people of God. In fact, it's likely that Ezra read sections of the law and then paused to give time to make sure that everyone understood. Because it was so important that they grasped what God was revealing about himself through his actions and his words toward the people of God. There's a small group ministry on display in Nehemiah chapter 8. If anybody's asking, why should I be a part of a small group? Nehemiah 8 answers the question for you. Ezra preaches, and he had to be an incredible preacher of God's word to hold the attention of 50,000 people. He preaches as clearly and as powerfully as he can, but it's still not enough. The Levites take what he has declared and they build upon it within smaller groups of people. As incredible as Ezra's preaching ministry is, it is limited, it's necessary, but it's only a piece of how the ministry of the word is meant to function among the people of God as it moves through the people of God. God has gifted other teachers to come alongside those who preach, who have wisdom, in this case Levites, to engage smaller portions of the people and make sure they understand what Ezra has read and what he has said about it. Because they want to be sure they're formed in the right way. They're sustained by the right thing. They're shaped in the right way. Clearly then, in Nehemiah 8, preaching is only the first stage of a larger ministry of the word. It's so important for us to see here it wasn't enough for the people just to hear. They were supposed to engage with what God said, to, to wrestle with it, to be sure that their engagement in the word wasn't empty, it wasn't passive. They didn't just go one ear and out the other, that it was taking root in their hearts and their minds. God had provided teachers to go amongst these people and help them understand what provision from God. It shows us how much he wants us to know him and fear him and love him. That he would take the pains to gift people in this way for the benefit of the church. Practice three. The word of God is declared, it's diligently taught in smaller groups. And then notice the, the way the word of God is expanding now. Not in just the smaller groups, but into every home. 
The word of God is brought into the home. That's the third practice of the ministry of God. The ministry of the word moves throughout the people of God. Look at verse 13, chapter 8. On the second day, the heads of the father's houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the law of the Lord. The people scatter from the gathering, but the priests and the Levites together with all the heads of father's houses get together to study the word of God. Why? To make sure that each home and each tribe is abiding by what the word of God says. Listen, the ministry of the word was never meant to stop in this house. It was never meant to stop in the gathering. It was always meant to flow from that house and to every household. As the particular head of a household, father, husband, single person, single mom, make sure that whatever has been learned is brought to bear upon the people of God. While this gathering that we see in, in Nehemiah 8.1 is the most clear display of our status as the people of God. They didn't stop being the people of God when they left the gathering. They were God's people all the time. And the responsibility is the same in every household under the direction of God. Declare the word of God such that the people of God will learn to fear God. We see that in Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. I want you to think about God. I want you to think about all that he is. I want you to think about all that he has done. I want you to teach it diligently over and over and over again to your household. I want you to write it on the walls. I want every single aspect of your house to be covered with the truth of who God is and what he has done because I want your household to be a household that honors and knows and loves and fears the Lord and Father. Dad, grandfather, person responsible for that household, you are responsible to make sure the ministry of the word moves from the gathered people into your home. We see here that the teachers and leaders of Israel make a commitment to the men of Israel, the leaders, the fathers, the heads of these households, to make sure they are equipped to do what God has commanded them to do. Because what happens at home affects what happens in the gathering. And that affects the health of the whole nation. And then practice four that we see of the ministry of the word in Nehemiah 8. The word of God is reinforced through the practice of God's people. Notice the movement here. It's proclaimed over the whole people. It's reinforced in small groups, carried into the homes. And then it's pushed forward in the actual behavior of the people of God. In verses 13 to 18, we see the people begin to observe the Feast of Booths. This was a feast, as you may remember, that helped God's people remember the provision that God made for them in the wilderness as they were coming out of bondage in Egypt and on their way to the land of promise. And God memorialized this time and the life of his people by asking them, to recreate this moment as a reminder to the present generation, as a teaching moment for future generations or the generations to come of what God 
had done for them. The practice was part of the teaching, a visual display of what God wanted them to remember. The behavior was a handmaiden to the teaching to help it sink further into the heart and the minds of the people. God is so passionate about the people of God knowing his word that he doesn't just ask them to hear, he asks them to do. Because the doing reinforces what has been heard. Some years ago, I got to work at a camp for a summer that had ropes courses. Anybody ever done ropes courses? In here, they're phenomenal. I mean, the high ropes course, uh, and then some low ropes things like trust falls, beams. And we always did a ropes course element, whether it was, you know, jumping off something very high or trusting someone to catch you that was attached to something we were teaching in Bible study. And it was so amazing to me that there were some people in my Bible studies who couldn't just get what we were saying or teaching by just hearing it. But the moment they did something that reinforced what we were teaching and we connected the dots for them, that action, that behavior, that picture, that, this, that physical picture of what it was that we were teaching suddenly made it make sense. So what was unclear now became clear. It's how God's designed people. To not just hear, but to see. And that, that whole process of understanding comes to bear in the way that God allows the ministry of the word to push forward to the people of God. What a gift from the Lord to push the word further into the people's hearts, engaging all of them to know him more completely. And the ministry of the word comes to completion here as the devotion of God's people is physically acted out in their lives. And they are visibly the people of God. It may seem ridiculous to go out and build tents, but can you imagine the impact that that action had upon future generations? Not just to hear about what God had done, but to see it to see it recreated for their benefit, to be shaped for the purposes of God. Now listen, what a, a beautiful picture of the ministry of the word that we have in Nehemiah 8, this ministry that God does through his word. And I think it demands of us as a people here at First Baptist Church of Irving to consider our own practice. You know, sometimes the, the text of scripture challenges us individually and sometimes it challenges us corporately. Sometimes it does both. But I think Nehemiah 8 is a, a clear moment for us to be challenged corporately as a people to consider our practice and whether or not we are truly building a ministry dependent upon the word here at our church. Does our gathering reflect this kind of commitment to the word of God or does it reflect a commitment to something else? I think we are a people continually growing in our reliance upon the word of God here at First Baptist Church of Irving. When I came here, I found the people who loved the word. And even over the last four years, we've made even more strides in growing in our commitment in every facet of ministry to be dependent upon the word of God. But in the same way that Paul challenges the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8, I want to challenge us this morning to not let our past faithfulness limit our future faithfulness. Because we've got, we got to remain vigilant 
to stay committed to the word of God. Otherwise, we will wonder. Otherwise, we will look to something else to offer us wisdom that will ultimately lead us to death and not life. It's counterintuitive to rely upon the word of God. And sometimes it looks like foolishness, but that's because God deserves all the glory. And he wants to call us to a dependence that evidences his unique wisdom so that he receives all the glory. So what I want to do this morning in light of the commitments we see in uh, the practices that we see in Nehemiah 8 is ask us to make some resolutions as a people. Some resolutions that we will hold to regardless of what comes so that we make sure that as a people we are dependent upon the word of God. So in light of those practices, I'm going to offer four resolutions. And it's my prayer that all of us will say amen and amen to what we are considering today and, and proposing today as cornerstones of who we are as the people of God. Resolution one. All right, you all ready with me? We, the people of First Baptist Church of Irving, resolve to engage in expositional preaching. Expositional preaching. What does that mean, Jared? It was preaching dependent upon the Word of God. It's shaped by the Word of God. This morning I came to teach you Nehemiah 8. I sat before Nehemiah 8 this week, and I wanted to know what Nehemiah 8 had to say to us. And I let what God said in Nehemiah 8 shape what we said today as a people. Here's the thing. When we gather as a people, we want to hear the Word of God read. We want to hear the Word of God explained, and we want to hear the Word of God applied. We want to teach the word of God clearly with the aim of knowing God and his redemptive work for us, and specifically his redemptive work for us in Christ. It is my prayer for as long as First Baptist Church of Irving exists that we will not come to this room or uh, turn, tune in online to, to seek self-help mumbo-jumbo. It's a theological word. That we're not coming just for a pep talk that we don't want to just seek self-improvement. We don't want the wisdom of man, but that every time we gather, we are thirsting, we are seeking, we are striving to hear the word of God. Every time someone steps into this pulpit, it should be the expectation demanded by the people that they open the Bible, they bring the book, and they teach the word of God. And it should also be the case that you are ready to hear it, that you are ready to receive it, that your ears are attentive. Listen, this is not just a moment you get through. At least I hope not. I hope some of you are just looking at your watch saying, I hope he's about to be over. I, I'm hoping that you are loving the opportunity you have to sit before the word of God and to hear the word of God spoken to you. We are meeting with God, friends, when we sit and think and meditate over his word. We meet with God as we feast upon the word and we are seeing more of who God is, more of who we are called to be and how God has given us the means and the example in Christ. If anybody ever tries to come up here and offer something else than God's word, it is my prayer that as a people we would say no. We don't want that. 
That will not form us. That will not shape us. That will not sustain us as a people. That will turn us into something else. No, we want the word of God. And we're going to be committed to the word of God regardless of the cost. That's the first resolution. Second one I want to propose this morning. We, the people of FBC Irving, resolve to engage in word-centered small group ministry. Now, I'm going to offer something here that I hope won't be controversial, but I think at least what we see here in Nehemiah 8 is that ideally, this small group ministry should be based on the, the sermon text of that week. Because we want the people of God to fully grasp and get the full weight of what a text has to offer. Some of what God has designed is that in smaller settings, what has been declared over the people is then processed among the people to make sure that what has been said is understood so that it can be applied, so it can actually take root in our hearts. Listen, I know there are different philosophies about small group ministry, but there is at least biblical precedent and wisdom about attaching what happens in the small group ministry to what happens in the pulpit. So the ministry of the word, the, the singular ministry of the word takes precedent over the activity of the church. So the people of God grasp what it is that God wants for them out of a particular text and apply it as they understand it. Now, I'm not saying we're going to do that tomorrow, but I at least want to propose it as a way for us to grow and how we engage the ministry of the word so that all of us who are teaching are like-minded in our approach to make sure the people who we have been given responsibility for understand the word and that God can do his work in us. This ministry that we see, the ministry of the word here was focused. It was unified and it had incredible results within the people. But the larger commitment I want to make, even beyond the way that the preaching moment and the small group moment can walk together, the larger commitment I want to make is that whenever we gather, whatever setting, as a, as a function of a small group ministry in the church, that it's Bible-focused. That we're not gathering to read some book. It's not a book club. We're not gathering to talk about the weather. We're not even gathering to play games. There's a time for fellowship. But when we've gathered in a small group ministry as a church, our focus should be hearing the word of God and knowing it more so that it shapes us, forms us, sustains us. Because that's the example that we see here in Nehemiah chapter 8. Whatever we do in our small groups, let's make sure that the Bible is the focus. Resolution three. We, the people of FBC Irving, resolve to engage our households in household worship. Here's the reality. If what happens in our gathering, if what happens in the reinforced small gatherings of our church does not move into our homes, we have failed. Because it hasn't taken root. Not truly if it doesn't go with us when we leave. Listen, as a church, 
we need to equip household leaders to entrust what has been given to them to the next generation that they are responsible for. I want you to hear me this morning. My most important role in life is not to be the pastor of First Baptist Church of Irving. My most important role is to be the pastor of my home, my family, my wife, my kids who are watching right now, I hope. That's my most important job. Here's how I know that. My qualification for what I'm doing right now is dependent upon how I pastor and shepherd my home. We have a responsibility, friends, leaders of households, to make sure the word of God floods our home. That our children, whoever we're responsible for in that home, learn to fear the Lord, to love him, to appreciate how he has acted redemptively on their behalf. And as a church, we need to be committed to coming alongside every household leader in our church Dads, singles, single moms, whoever is the household leader of that that home to make sure that you are equipped to push the word of God into your home. We need to be committed to that. It's part of God's design. And then finally, the, the fourth resolution. We, the people of FBC Irving, resolve to engage the ordinances more effectively. I'm speaking here specifically of baptism and the Lord's Supper because that is the practice, the the physical practices that God has given to us to be constant reminders of his redemptive activity for us in Christ. These are momentous occasions that God has given us to enhance the impact of the word in our lives. Again, think about how the Feast of Booths functioned among the people of God. Is it, is it visibly taught as it was a, a handmaiden to the words that were proclaimed? Think about how younger people around them, people who were just hearing about this, think about how they visibly got to see what God had done for them and how that changed the receptivity of what it is that they her. Now, when you think about baptism, think about the beauty of baptism every time we see it. Every single time someone enters into this baptistry and we see them moving from someone who is dead to someone who is now walking in resurrection life, that's a moment for all of us as the people of God to be encouraged. It's meant to be done among the people of God as a teaching moment for the people of God, that every one of us were dead in our trespasses and sins. Every one of us were in a grave with no hope until Christ, who overcame death by death so that we could be raised with him and walk in newness of life. It's a visible picture of what it is that we teach about the gospel every time we gather. And the Lord's Supper What a provision for us, given to us by Christ himself as a reminder of what it is that he has done for us. His body broken, his blood shed. As he took the weight of God's wrath, he paid the debt that we could not pay so that we could have life 
abundant and eternal, a life that we did not deserve. And that's why I look forward to the day when we can do the Lord's Supper every week as a people, because I think there is something unique and wonderful about the preached word of God paired with the visible reminder of the Lord's Supper. Because we hear and then we see, and the Lord uses that under the work of the Holy Spirit to seal the gospel further into our hearts. We're not there yet. We're not even taking the Lord's Supper right now until we're able to gather because we believe that it is meant to be partook in the gathered people as a a visible testimony to the gathered people of what God has done. But I want to get there because I believe so firmly in its benefit for us as a people. So, friends, let us resolve to be a word-centered people committed to the ministry of the word, just like we see here in Nehemiah 8, because we believe that it is through the word that we are formed, shaped, and sustained as individuals and as a people, because it is the written word inspired by God that leads us to the incarnate word. And it is the incarnate word that allows us to behold our God. Why would we want Why would we want to offer anything else? Wherever you are, would you bow your head? Spend some time before the Lord asking him to help you know how to respond to the proclaimed word today. Let me ask you this. Have you benefited from the ministry of the word? In the sense that you finally have seen who Christ is and what God has done for you in him that you've seen the redemptive work God has done for you in Christ, and today you want to give your life to him by repenting and believing unto salvation. Oh, that today would be that day when you would confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You can do that right where you are today. And we'll give you a number in just a minute that you can text your information to you if you're making that decision today for us to follow up with you. For the rest of us who have already benefited from the ministry of the word by being called into the people of God, are we committed to the word? Are we inspiring a commitment to the word in our church? And are we holding ourselves to a commitment to the word? Are you willing to make these resolutions as a church? That regardless of what happens, we're going to be committed to expository preaching. That we're going to hold fast to word-centered small groups to reinforce the word of God amongst the people of God. That we're going to carry these truths into our homes. And that we're going to embrace the God-given actions, these ordinances to visibly reinforce what we have heard so that God can do his work through his word in and among us for his glory. 
is through his word, we are led to Christ. And that changes everything. Father, would you help us be a people formed, shaped, sustained by your word and nothing else so that you get the glory for who we are as a people. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You stand and respond as the Lord leads.